Blog Talk Radio. You're a deep thinker in these issues. Um, 
at at any given point, uh, our chairman over the over the African People's Socialist Party, uh, Mali Eshapella, he always makes it a point to say, you know, under our special oppression, it's amazing that we aren't eating each other, like literally eating each other, you know, for real, because of how things are set up and how this stuff how this stuff is perpetuating, and we still don't have any type of solution for answering our mental issues or the trauma that's bound itself even to our DNA at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think mm-hmm. it's a very important mm-hmm. topic. Um, Absolutely. And as far as, far as coming off of, uh, you know, different, different fronts and different facets of this thing, as a healer myself, you know, I feel like it's a topic that I need to approach as well, you know, because um, mm-hmm. I have some experience doing some things and, and never having addressed it, you know, never had it. And it actually made happen? me walk I mean, away from practice at one point. Yeah. What would happen? I mean, you know, this is one of the things that we started doing, which I think is a great idea. This is one of the topics that you were really seem to be passionate about. Our brother didn't chime in. Who's who? Shaka, cool, Shaka, cool, what's going on? Uh, yeah, what's going on? What's going on, man? Uh, it's going on mental health, but I, you know, is it because it's a topic you seem to be passionate about? You brought it up. What made this so significant, or have such significance to you that you like? You know what? This needs to be on my first coming out. This is going to be one of those things that I address: the mental illness in our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what made you major? How is this you know, so impactful to us that you're like, yeah, you know, this needs to be really like my maiden voyage. This is your first coming out, and I'm excited, and this is the topic you decided to tackle. What What is so significant about it? Um, the significance is that, number one, like I said, I'm, I'm a healer, you know, um, by nature and by profession. And... What that means is that, you know, I'm connected to the idea of us being <clears throat> us being whole. I'm sorry, I have something going on my throat. <clears throat> but um, I have, I'm connected to the idea of us being whole. And my introduction to the entire idea of being whole has been from a colonial perspective. Um, I think I was I was talking to you earlier, and we were speaking about you know having having a my having walked away from um, a life coaching business because what I was seeing is that I was being asked to deal with our issues because essentially that's this is who I'm going to deal with. I'm going to deal with us, you know. Um, but I was being asked to deal with our issues from a white perspective. And sometimes it's just, you know, it's it's not enough for us to accept the same. I can't even say sometimes. It is not enough for us to accept the direction of uh, our oppressors to solve the issues that we have going on inside of us because it is a special 
oppression. It is a special type of oppression. And we have to be aware that, you know, this is something that this is something that we need to address. It's not enough for me to just be a black person addressing an issue, you know, um, for another black person, but actually being a black person understanding why we're in this position and addressing our issues from a black perspective, you know. So it wasn't enough to just, you know, to throw at them some uh, Robins, Madonna's, um, stuff that I was just re- regurgitating, you know, regardless of my my uh, certification, it just didn't matter because it did not apply. And it was completely absolving, you know, it was complete. I feel like it was completely absolving those who uh, had placed us in this position, you know, where we're in a disarray and we don't understand what we're doing, where we're going, how things need to be handled. In our own lives, we don't understand. We can't see our own. Um, we can't see our own interests because it was obscured in this whole idea that you know these white folks got the answer for us. The same white folks that put us in this position, and I'm one of those um, who also feels uh, like you, brother Shaka, were saying earlier that while we while we we can't just blame someone and walk away from it, you know, we can't just blame our oppressors and walk away from the fact that it is our responsibility. They're going to catch the blame, you know. I, I wouldn't be in this position had it not been for you. It is my responsibility to solve my problem. So I can't, you know, I can't just depend on your um you know, your experts or your, your, the, the people that you call professionals to oversee what's going on with me and mine when you also benefit and you are a part of that oppressor class. Right. You're a part of that dominant society that oppresses my people. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's very, um, that's what's driven me to this point of needing to address it, you know. So what do you, what do you think about it? How, you know, how do you, how do you see this thing with regard to um, with regard to what we're seeing constantly and the lack of being able to address it? You know, uh, this is Brother Shaka. Did you want? Oh, you. Yeah, I was just saying, like a, a lot of it. You know, I chimed in earlier on the live, and I'm always on that. You know, that post-traumatic slave syndrome. I think that's very important. Uh, that piece. Because that is like it's like being raped, and you want to talk about all of the aspects of the post behavior of being raped, and we want to talk about what happens before you got raped, but you don't want to talk about the act the day you got raped, like and the person that raped you, and I feel like we need to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, what do y'all think? I you know what what one of my. <laughs> One of my things is when we talk about the whole insane thing, like you said, even, you know, from, and I like the example. I know it is a harsh example. Rape, I know women out there like, eh, it's such a terrible example. But I think it hits home because it speaks to the atrocity and the brutality that black people suffer at the hands of white America, imperialist America every day, you know. Um, so 
when we talk about that, I like to look in, I like to throw the fact in there, social, cultural conditions. What is insanity? They would have us to think insanity is anything outside of what they deem to be normal. You understand? But I think that black people at this time in their life need to begin to weigh it. And what we should deem to be insane is anything that is destructive to us as black people. I don't care if they say it's legal. I don't care if they put every government seal on alcohol, whatever. If it is destructive and, listen, my mouth is closer to my ears. I'm not sitting here saying I walk on water or anything. But to really deal with an issue, you must address it. And regardless of what we participate in or partake in, if it isn't beneficial for us individually, bodily, mentally, uh, spiritually, then it is destructive. Therefore, it must be insane. Only the crazy person right. will harm themselves. And then, so I think that we have to start weighing that. And, and I think one of our problems is, is like what the sister said, weighing things from a colonized mindset. We've allowed our oppressor, this like to break it down, we've allowed the white man to be the standard belt. If he says it's good and exact, if he says it's normal, then we think we should behave like that. And if we think we're, it's, we're behaving contrary, if our nature is screaming against this behavior, we're forcing a natural being to succumb to, uh, then that's insanity. The fact that we're trying to be other than self is complete and total insanity. So I think we have to go back to the very way, what's beneficial to us and what's not. Yeah. I I think a lot of that, too, is, you know, I was having a conversation earlier, and we throw the term self out there a lot. But it goes back to that initial question, like, who is self? Like, you know, how can we determine what's good for us when we don't really know us? Like, every reflection of us is a reflection of your enemy. A reflection of the oppression. Absolutely. You know, people. You know, it doesn't matter what your values are. Your your spiritual. Even if you say you have a African centered spiritual outlook, I guarantee you, if I sit you down long enough, I'm going to show you the template of European philosophy inside your so called Afrocentrics. Right. Right. But that's very You know, is is that a is that a real problem? I mean, I'm about to get in a lot of trouble with listeners. And they're again listening, man. Y'all, let's talk about it. Press one, you can get in this conversation. It is definitely open to the people at any time. We'll recognize you. You're on there with Shaka, Dijaga, your boy Yang and Kuma, and Makeda. And I forget the last name, Makeda, please pardon. But you're in there with some people else to see. But I, I, here's what I wanted to say. About, <laughs> here's what I wanted to say about that. We talk about the whole like we say, colonized mindset. I even, even when judging that, things colonized, I separate that from Western and Eurocentric. I think we have to factor in the unique circumstances that created the so-called African here in America or that led to the uh, his creation of this new African. And so even we can't, we have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I see some brothers get so oh, Afrocentric that it gets, you know, it gets ridiculous. So when I say what's beneficial to us, I'm talking about the new African here. It may seem Western in concept. It may even seem Western in design and even in practice. But if it has become beneficial to us, it has become a stable. We've been over here centuries. And I think we have enough history to begin to start a template of what is good for us and what is not. We know we went through the most tumultuous time during segregation and Jim Crow, but However, I'm not going to say but because I don't belittle that. However, in conjunction with that, we see black businesses was on the flourish. 
the social philosophy of communalism was very strong. We were very community-oriented, you know, we're all we got type of acting, behaving, and thinking people. Uh, and so those, they are, even though those times, like I said before, were tumultuous and were terrible for us as black people, there are still philosophies, actions, and ideologies that we can learn from, things we can take from, embrace, to say, but you know what? That was edifying and beneficial for us as black people. Maybe we should keep that and lend that to, to, to our philosophy of, of uh, self-determination as it obtains to us now. In my conclusion, I say all of that to say this, because um, why that's important to me is because I find us, like you were saying, Shaka, not having a sense of identity lends us to try to find it in already – pre-constructed identities. You know, we don't take a little from here and there. We don't exemplify the mixture, the wonderful mixture of African we are by the indigenous people, the natives we're mixed with, and various African tribes and countries, because Africa is a continent. We go and jump something wholeheartedly, like you told me Dr. Collins said about, <laughs> about us learning Kung Fu. He says that white man goes in there and learns Kung Fu, and he comes out uh, and he knows the martial arts. He says the white, the black man goes in, goes in there, uh, and if I'm saying it right, if not, please correct me. Goes in there, and comes out, and he has every aspect of the culture. Don't know a lick of martial arts and change his name, cut his hair, even wear the Chinese pajamas. Couldn't kick right. a bag, but knows all of that, right. you know. And that's what we do in our in our effort to find identity. We already right. readily subscribe to preconstructed right, exactly. identities. I think a lot of that too is. When when we talk about like uh, who is self, understanding our sojourn, we have been separated from the African core. So we definitely have created our own culture here. But when you create a culture of resistance, like the Haitian Revolution shows us, they were speaking a French dialect, but they were crafting it to surface for an African people. They had separated themselves, yeah. and then they were able to take things and use it. But we know clearly we're not them. You know what I mean? Here. We haven't lost the admiration and aspiration to want to be the white man or want to be accepted by the white man. So we don't we we haven't reached the point where we can take things and make it work for us, but knowing we ain't with them. See, when we take things, we take things because we're trying to be with them. We have what I like to call the Toussaint Louverture issue. Toussaint Louverture, you know, he could have been the greatest. He was the greatest in my eyesight, but his biggest downfall is he thought he was French. And deep in his heart, he really identified with the French and thought he was one of them. Whereas Jean-Jacques Dessalines was clear, I'm not one of them. Jean-Jacques wore a European uniform. He carried a European weapon. He spoke the European language. But he was clear, I'm not European. You see, and that's where right. we fall off. We're, we're not clear yet that we're not them. So when we do things, we get sucked up into them because they have learn from the Haitian Revolution. They have learned from other examples, and they have put what I call the nigger chip inside of us. So whenever you discuss the possibility of separating from this oppressor, automatically you will have Africans who will defend it, who will tell you crazy, who will tell you this can't happen. And even in our own discussions with ourselves, deep in our own subconscious, we battle that nigger chip. Well, you know what? I think we, we also have to be careful not to <clears throat> not to isolate ourselves and you know especially as as um, African internationalists or Pan-Africanists um, 
you have to be mindful that this this oppression is systemic for us. You know, it, mm-hmm. it shows up everywhere. And, you know, it shows up in, in so many predictable and unpredictable ways, you know. Uh, we have social disconnection. We got, we've got um, uh, things that are, are causing us to do stuff like skin bleaching. All again, all again, you know, based on a Eurocentric template. Even in places where the majority of everybody you see is black, you know what I'm saying? And that's again, that's got to be something that. You know that that's a mental that's that's a mental block that has to that needs to be addressed. You know we got a depression. I don't think a lot of us are depressed as much as we are oppressed and don't understand it. You know we are we you know we have aggression, violence, and you know we're having spikes in suicides here in America um, as Africans in captivity, and it's like again. We have to, you know, we have to understand that this thing shows up in so many different ways depending on where we are and where our oppression and our colonization is taking place and how that plays out right. in us, you know. Um, exactly. So, you know, and, and what do you think about that with regard to embracing the diaspora, you know, on that front? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, that's the thing I I find to be perplexing with regard to how to address something as large as that. Um, we have sure. in the uh, under the African People's Education and Defense Fund, you know, part of the AHUA movement or AP, EDF, um, we have the Black Ankh. And the Black Ankh being an African internationalist type of, you know, situation, uh, solution for us, you know, it's about creating solutions to deal specifically with the various traumas and issues that we face from a medical standpoint, just like the Red Cross addresses different facets, you know, of emergency issues from a colonial standpoint. Uh, the Black Ankh is our answer to that, and and we want to call, we, you know, we make a call to get various people who are involved no matter where they are in the world you know, involved, you know, uh, healthcare professionals, healers, people who actually have knowledge, you know, of these different subjects, you know, uh, mental and psychological first aid, actual medicine, you know, we're trying to get that set up so that we can address these issues. Think about, you know, trying to bring all of this under one umbrella where we encompass, again, all of the trauma that we're dealing with across the board from I don't care if you're in, you know, in the Congo or if you're in uh, Haiti or if you're here in America, wherever you are, and, you know, just breathing. We think it's possible, you know. I think it is possible, but we just, we have to respect each other's, like, place in the story. You know, one time I was talking mm-hmm. to an elder brother from, from Ghana, and he was telling me, he was like, you know, he said, you blacks, you Africans in America, you have one half of the story, but you're not understanding mm-hmm. our half of the story. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, true indeed, you are the ones who were taking away 
and stripped from your mother. He said, but you were the best of us. You know, you were the craftsmen, the, the this, the that. The, so we were left with a continent full of people who were not equipped. He says, so imagine you wake up one morning and every black man between the ages of 12 and 25 are gone. You know what I mean? Every craftsperson, gone. Every good is gone. He says, so now we're left with very young men, very old men, very old women, young women. He said, places are depleted of natural resources and humans. He said, which, which then goes into the repopulation process. He said, and it's very brutal. We have to talk about incest now. We have to talk about unnatural weddings, unnatural to survive, to save our people. And then you talk about the traumatic throwback of that, you know, the throwback of having to, you know, this man had to sleep with his daughter to save their nation, you know. And, and, and I never thought about it like that. You know, I, mean? I never thought about trying to rebuild a house without all the pieces and then what that could do to you and how that cripples our nation on that end of the water. So that's something we have to look at, man. Like, even though we have the same enemy, our blowback is different. You know, that's why you look in places like that and they still wear the little white wigs and stuff like that because they have thoroughly been brainwashed on another side. Like, where we've been brutally beat into submission, our brothers and sisters uh, in the diaspora have been colonialized through a whole different tactic. You know, that, right. that's one of the things I yeah. have to think yeah. about, too. Um, we have, yeah. a, we have I, a caller, I think, online that wants to jump in. We have oh, a caller? Yeah. Yeah, man, and this we call it. This looks like Cleveland in the house, my place. Oh, right. Yo, this is. Can y'all hear me? Yes, yes, sir. We can hear you. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Uh, peace, Uhuru, Black Power to all three of you comrades. Um, great show, guys. Yes, great con- uh, content. I'm Chuck. I've been trying to uh, look for that number, man. Hit me up so we can connect. But I wanted to follow right, up right. on some some of the stuff you guys were speaking on and add a little bit. Um, you know, I think that one of the issues that we have to consider is, you know, the colonial violence, the psychological violence, the trauma that comes from that psychological violence as it relates to, you know, the, we always hear growing up about how they stripped us of our culture, they stripped us of our language. But it's 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 a truth in that man that can't be overlooked, and that they've conditioned us after all of this this time, man, to really have a disdain and a hatred, or even just a fear of who we are historically and culturally. And so you you have to imagine the trauma that that leads to find yourself kind of in no man's land, not really with an identity like you know. That you're not a part of this You know deep down you're not American They don't want us, don't accept us But what else do we have If in our mind we've been conditioned To not want to be African As well And so right. they, you know They they right. painted that picture through all of the Through the uh, propaganda The movies, the TV the You know the nonsense That makes us fear and hate you know, I ain't no African. How would I live now? What are we going to eat now? And to feed the children. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? All the, the flies and the big stomachs and et cetera. And so what happens is this uh-huh, cognitive uh-huh. dissonance that we suffer from, right? It's so it's like that's why we gravitate to this. We have this big thing with this identity politics, right? If you go on certain right. social media, brothers is arguing back and forth 
over these different nationalities who are in. That's the trauma of not being able to just know who we are historically and, and being safe and secure in that identity. So we're, we're reaching out, gravitating to anything that sounds damn good that will give us some sense of identity. That's why hip-hop is so gravitated to, you know, and, and at a certain time, right? It became our identity. That's why even gangs feel that void to an extent. It gives us a sense of belonging and identity, something, because we just can't say we African, you know what I mean, because of all of these different variables that and, and that leaves us like these abandoned children, man, and the trauma and the pain. And so that's what then prevents us from being able to organize properly, to unify. Like Malcolm said, man, we, we, the biggest mistake of the movement is trying to organize a sleeping people around these specific goals. So you got to wake the people up first. And part of that is we telling people, yo, let's fight for Africa, let's do this for Africa, this and that. And they sitting there like, shit, I ain't African. What they got to do with me? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so there's some basic shit that we got to do in terms of that, that trauma around just who are we. That's not an easy thing to step over, man. I, I just wanted to throw that in I mean, I think that's right on time, and I'm I scrunny because I'm looking at the notes that. from, yeah, for real, from Sister Joy DeGruy, and she talks about uh, MAP, M-A-P, and M meaning multi-generational trauma together with continual oppression, A representing the absence of opportunity to heal or access to benefits available in society, which leads to P, post-traumatic slave syndrome. And then she talks about vacant esteem, which is what you're talking about that insufficient development of what Dr. DeGruy refers to as primary esteem, along with the feeling of hopelessness, depression, and general self-destructive outlook. And that leads to internal racism, et cetera. And I think that you're dead on point. That's one of the things we really have to address, man. We Like the Wakusu, the first part of Wakusu is waking up. You have to wake mm-hmm. up to who you are first. You can't, nothing else happens until you wake up, you know. And the waking up is not just... Got, like you know, Brother Yango always says, you know, the, the, the gathering of Jeopardy facts. You know, we think we woke up because <laughs> we know a lot of history. You know, we right. know a lot of history. We can date some dates and we think we're awake now. No, you're not awake. You just, you're good on a Jeopardy show. You know all the answers, but you're not awoke yet. <laughs> we have to really wake up and internalize what we just learned and be able to say, I'm African and I'm comfortable with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not African, but slash dot, dot, dot. Just, I'm African, yo. That's it. Right. You know what I mean? Yo, it's you know one of the things that 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 because I agree with everything the brother said, and then you know me, I have to have right. my in conjunction with because I think one of the things that happened, I with the whole African and I'm African, I agree totally with what he said with uh, how we were taught, you know, coming up in school, the whole African booty scratcher, just a whole denigration of Africa, man. Nobody want to be African. Even to the point, you know, people that know me know I'm into African spirituality, and I can remember one ritual uh, they were doing. It was African custom, right. and it involved blood, you know. And, man, it did, and the first thing went through my mind was like, man, I'm going to go to hell in here doing this African stuff. I mean, I went straight <laughs> back to the Eurocentric Abrahamic faith. I mean, I got screwed. The brothers and people with me kind of had to hold me, man. You know, that, that, that training is real. But I wanted to say this, though, about that, uh, and why I subscribe hard, to black nationalism and, and then revolutionary pan-Africanism or African internationalism. 
is one of the things that happened with I think happened with us with the whole African piece is Africa is a continent. And as we become more flooded with information, more particulars, and this led to the whole thing of us arguing over semantics, or I'm you know, Egyptian tology or this particular part of Africa, you know, then we begin to that lack of identity begin to have us to fight for other people's culture and tribal ways. And, you know, like I said, I'm in the African spirituality. Me, if somebody say me, I say I love hoodoo, which is just a blend of our understanding of everything that black people in America came across. But some subscribe to Ifa, voodoo, Central, these particulars that came from different places and will argue with other black Americans like they were born and raised practicing these ways. Why did I say that? Because... We have an illness. When we're talking about mental illness, I think black people suffer from, which I call escapism. And it's easy to argue for other people's uh, cultures or to find yourself, begin to twist your issues to such a degree that you're not even addressing reality for what you face as a black African here in America, as a black African here in America. You've twisted your issues to fit some stuff you've read from African script or a particular country in Africa. So the one old thing is escapism. The other thing is my fear of hardcore Afrocentricitism to the degree that we divorce ourselves from the reality of being New Africans is also creating an African utopia, creating this place that, you know, is another heaven for us. You know, we'll find these same people knock the concept of heaven and create a heaven right there in Africa. But but when we go back to Africa, like we're just going to pluck Humongous fruits off the tree. Now they've been colonized, tribal warfare, Africa is in disarray. That's why we have to fight for Africa like we have to fight for ourselves. You know, if our mother is sick, of course our children are going to be sick. In my conclusion, to saying all of that, though, I say, right, right, right. Here's what I say, though. We do, we, we say we don't know ourselves, and we, we got dismissed in our danger. We do. We are New Africans. We've been here long enough to say that we are a legitimate continuation of the African story. Haiti's is a continuation of the African story. Cuba, Puerto Rico, you know, everywhere is a continuation of the African story and, and, and her peoples except for us. But everybody would say, well, we ain't got this way. Man, I watch the dancing and the rap. Japanese are breakdancing. Every world, the world loves jazz, but we have contributed to human civilization, to art, to math. And when we get hardcore Afrocentricism, what it does, we don't do like the Haitians and the Jamaicans do. And Shaka's on the line that could back this up. Do strengthen our Pan-Africanism and our ties to Africa is we don't celebrate national heroes. They're tied to Africa. We don't really... we. You know, in Jamaica, they got national heroes that they big in Haiti. They got national. We got we have honorable mentions, but we don't national. We don't man like yo. We ain't clamoring for a monument of Malcolm. We're not stamping him right. in this racist imperialist system as a national hero for just Huey or whoever. So I say that yeah, but, all but, of this, but we do have an identity. We haven't embraced it. I think, but I think, in in fairness, part of that is that we don't have. I mean, we have our culture, and we have accomplishments as a people, but it's not tied to a national identity of our own, like a land mass that we have a flag yes. planted in that informs our philosophy, 
and informs our theory as a so no matter where we go, we're not we don't feel the need to shift our identity into some subculture, some subgroup. Right, right. I'm just here, but I'm still attached to my land, to my own constitution, to my own philosophy, that no matter where others are in, in the diaspora, they're attached to that land, to that theory, to that constitution, to that philosophy. We're just, we're just kind of like loosely, we got culture, and we're proud to be who we are. We, we've read a little bit. We've heard about the motherland. And, and 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 to that other point, you're right, man. I mean, it's not some romanticized vision that Africa is 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 like all oh, this utopia currently. But we have to like, as revolutionaries, we have to like be able to speak in terms of like being visionaries as well. Like um, we know that even prior to colonialism, prior to the Berlin Conference, et cetera, that Africa wasn't some united states of Africa, right? But we know that in this modern day, considering the way colonialism, imperialism has evolved itself into state powers, the Asian world, et cetera, we're going to have, that's a vision that we got to fight towards. You see what I'm saying? We can deal with, we, it's not an issue that everybody has to speak the exact same language. We're not trying to abolish culture, but we're saying in order for us to be able to withstand and, and be able to stand on our own, Independently and fight off these vipers and these brutal vipers that are constantly trying to attack our, us and our people. We have to move toward this United States of Africa, like what Nkrumah was trying to lay out. Like, look, man, we got to be able to have a currency, a standing military. It's just like in America, everybody don't speak the same damn language. All kind of cultures here. It's, it's all kind of different groups. But you bomb Omaha. You just attack the United States of America You see what I'm saying You're going to war with all branches of the military When the shit come down federally It affects everybody So Africa has right. to We have to be able to speak in those terms for the future But it's not a romanticized You know Just pie in the sky Like it ain't no issues on the continent um, But right. yeah man I, I mean I'm with you I, I'm still with you I, I, We just How do we overcome that You know what I mean And And um yeah, I just I'm just trying to contribute a little bit though. I, I think one of the one of the ways we, we can start to go at this is like we like like it's like but everybody's right, like what Brother Young is saying, we have our treasures here locally that you know we have developed in the four hundred to five hundred years we've been on this continent. We have contributed a lot to the world. So we need to capsulize that. We need to see ourselves as those new Africans, you know, the extensions of Africa. But at the same time, what we have to do is, you know, remember that we are connected without trying to escape and go there into some fantasy world. It's like, yeah, I do come, you know, ultimately I come from there, but this is the stamp I have here. And then you got to pick it up. A huge part of that is, for us, the huge handicap is we don't want to discuss the 500-year period of chattel slavery. We, we, we get away from that. But in, in that 500 years, is the core of why we are so strong now, you know, and, and the enemy has given us a narrative of defeat. So we don't want to investigate that. We don't want to tap into that. Like we talk about landmass. We got the South. We are the South. We're the ones who cultivated and created the South. There was no South, South of Maryland until black folks got 
put into the South, and we cropped this land. We made South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama. We did that. Louisiana became what it is because we did that. There would be no interest in Oklahoma and Kentucky until black folks took interest there because prior to us going there, it was a wasteland. It was a place they sent people to get rid of you. You know what I mean? We're the ones that did that. So we have a rich history of bringing life to this continent, and we can connect that to Africa if we don't ignore what we did here. We have to investigate that. We have to look at that and big up our accomplishments here and create those local heroes. But are we willing to go to war for that? Uh, We have to. I mean, there's no way. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because if you think about it, we got to still a standing enemy, right? And and not to Mm -hmm. mention the, the indigenous population. Who make exactly. do on their own land, but but how right. do we? How do we? Because even this country is living off of the resources of the motherland, and France mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Britain and all the mm-hmm. rest of them. So we do got 12 million square miles, kind of like sitting there with our people more and more, and saying, "Come home." And it's like, do we continue to stay here, unwilling to actually go to war because? These these beasts who who control this right now, they going to war. They not finna say, okay, mm-hmm. y'all can have us out. We apologize. No, they we know y'all need some space. Yeah. So are yeah. We, if we gonna go to war, are we gonna go to war here, or do we go to war for twelve million square miles with all the resources? Well, war is we, I, be I think realistically, yeah, I think realistically, you know, we have to. Are we gonna go? Where, we, you know, war has been waged. It's not a matter if we're going to war. We're at war. It's whether we're going to step up and accept it. Here's what we're saying about what I'm saying about, because I am a staunch Pan-Africanist. You know, I love my brothers throughout the diaspora, but here's what I'm saying. When we push, I think when we make that our priority, first to push for the United States of Africa, Africa is a continent. What politics? What country are you first going to go change the mind of that will start the domino effect? And then, So you have to, so what I'm saying is, you know, it, it's like, and what purpose does that serve? We, we can take our resources, we can take all of these things, and do we have a particular country that's willing to host us, that's willing to accept us, and accept the fact, new Africans, so we're going to come with things, and willing to integrate us into that society, and then willing, are they revolutionary enough to start the domino effect? See, we don't have time to get over there and fight social, cultural things, and then a whole nother political front when we're right here. And once we know that we're a people right here, we can say we can do like other people do. We can say, hey, Africa is what we're from, and economically we're going to support. If you're doing something in Africa, economically we move as a new African in America, we're not buying jack. The people are going to walk out of that company because we'll do like the Jews. But until we say, hey, we're new African, and stop stepping over the very real issues we face daily, you know what I'm saying, and stepping over this issue of saying, okay, yo, I'm here. I don't like how I got here. I don't like that whole Af- that chapter of the African saga, but it happened and it is me. How can I change this dynamic? And I don't think realistically black people in America can change that dynamic by not empowering themselves in their locale and by having these, like I call it glitter, scattered resources we're sprinkling on Africa. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of even the you know the Pan Africanist groups um, that are just it's scattered because Africa is so vast. And and in conclusion to that, I want to say about like you said, like I'm like Shaka, we have land, but the flag we have colors. Once we get past the ego and really make it a movement for the people, 
then we won't recreate the wheel. Some of us may not want to do the red, black, and green, but our people recognize that color. Eventually down the line, we may can change and add a doodad to a national flag. But in the beginning, black people have colors. You ask any black people, the most basic mundane who had just been introduced to what we call this consciousness, what's black people's colors, red, black, and green? You see what I'm saying? But we don't, but we get into ego. That's not our color. We put intellect before practicality. We'll see technically, yada, yada, yada. Man, if people recognize it, let's use it as a galvanizing point, as inspiration, and move the people to self-determination. And when we get self-determination, there's no way we're going to be fighting for our freedom. I ain't saying we're going to have to get it. There's no way we're going to be fighting for our liberation and not respect the struggle of our brothers and sisters in Africa. Right now, how can we realistically grasp that struggle and not understand what the hell is happening to us right here. We are calling it. I mean, the know, reason, and I'm going to end it with this. I'm going on my, my, my last couple minutes. I'm going to end it with this. We are just like those people. We are people. We are colonized. We're no different than the other colonized people. The Mexicans, the Latin-speaking people, the Spanish-speaking people have taken a colonizer's language and unified on that, Spanish. And you put two Spanish people in a room, even if they're from different countries, in a room with all black people, they will come together based on an oppressor's language. I don't think there's no reason that we can't unify except for our unwillingness to. Right. I agree. You know, I I, I, I don't mean to, to dominate the conversation, but I think another thing we have to look at is Africa's liberation rests on the example set by the new Africans. Like, people overlook that. Africa was at a standstill until we started fighting here. And their leaders came here and studied us and went back there and freed their land. You know what I mean? So we have something that we have to look at. We've been in continual fight since day one. We've never stopped fighting. You know? So, you know, Rome, looking at European history, because I, like, I love history, Rome was a small, insignificant place. It's just Rome, you know, in, in Italy. That's it. But the Roman Empire was a concept, and that concept was damn near over the whole known world. You had places way over in Africa mm-hmm. that never saw Rome, never been to Rome, and would never go to Rome. But they believed that they were Romans, and they fought for the, the concept of Rome. So it's not so much us uniting on a physical plane. I believe that we need to unite around the concept of Africa, the concept of a self determining African people. Whether I go to Africa or not does not stop me from fighting for African freedom. Absolutely. And if we can unite around the the concept, we can move. Yeah. Yes, sir. Listen, I know we said earlier in the call, you said if a caller chimes in, invite them to the conversation. We do have a caller. Yes, sir. And it is on your time. Invite them to the conversation, brother. Yes, sir. Oh, Bergman. Yes, sir. 618-1081. You're open. That's that's me, comrade. I had fallen off the call, and I'm I was oh, trying to get back, to <laughs> get back in the air. <laughs> I was trying to get back in the air. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just believe the concept is bigger than the land. That's all. Bigger than the physical. But you know what? And I and I do unite with the idea also, you know, that the, the comrade that they called was talking about, you know, the indigenous people who are here. I think it's unfair mm-hmm. for us to just say that, you know, this land was, you know, desolate, you know, because I, I, I look at white history books and 
look at how they, and this is all off the topic, you know, just just to let y'all, <laughs> all off the topic. But I look at how white history books, you know, don't claim that anybody was anywhere doing anything prior to mm-hmm. the inception of, of their, you know, their presence. And I think to say, you know, well, that was just someplace people were sent. You know, there were people there. There were people all over. Well, no, yeah, definitely. I stand corrected. On, I stand corrected. I, I hold that criticism because I definitely didn't mean yeah. that the indigenous people. When I say African, you know, I'm not going to get into that whole discussion, but those are our people too. But that's a whole other discussion for a whole other show. You know, so, yeah, but I, I definitely hold that criticism in that light. I don't want nobody to think that I'm taking away from the indigenous people, that population that was here. But uh, I definitely have to enforce what we built, what we built since we came in that next migration. And I just want to throw in, and I don't want to dominate the conversation, I'll be silent, that I think that's one of the beauties of being New African. A lot of times when we talk about our history here, it's inclusive of those indigenous people. You know, I'm Cherokee. I have Cherokee. I'm not one of those Negro lovers. I have Indian in my blood. You know, I'm not one of those people, yeah, right. but when we talk about the new African struggle, like it is a lot of it is included. I think Shaka gave a great line one day talking about the Seminoles, the real Seminoles. You know, it is right. our history is inclusive of that. So we're not like the colonizers. We're not excluding our cousins, not our just our our uncles, uh, and in some instances, your masters, Negroes. While you run around talking about you got right. Tonto in you, some of them owned you, but. Um, right, you know, right. we, 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 we include that. That's what I talk about, the uniqueness of the New African experience. You know, when we talk about, when Shaka talks about, you know, my great-great, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, his father, my great, so my great-great-grandmother had left her tribe to be with a sharecropper. So that land that Shaka is talking about built was cultivated by an indigenous and an African that came together and made this New African. And so... When we talk about cultivating that self, and just to reiterate that point, I do think we're a lot of experiences we're talking about indigenous people. We should make this clear to them. We're not separating right. our history. Just like you have a claim to this land, brother, you are a people, so we have a claim also. We're all we're new Africans. Right, right. You are us. You know. And and also the things we brought to the land, the native peoples that were here prior to the European invasion, prior to child slavery. Their idea of living on the land was different than the idea that we brought to it. You know what I'm saying? They were, it was hunter-gatherer. The, a lot of the irrigation and cultivation came from Africa. Rice came from Africa. You know, the techniques of irrigation, we brought that here with us. So when I say a lot of those lands out there, a lot of the techniques that are out there, some of that came from us taking our native skills and, and, and embarking in another area. And we brought a different kind of life. Let me say it that way. We brought a different kind of life to that area. You, you hey, know, do you, brothers? Can you, brothers? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You fell off. I ain't heard from you in a minute. Go ahead. Uh-huh. No, because I'm, I'm about to. Look, I'm about to go back to this mental health issue and how this all ties. Yes. To what we're, you know, to, to the topic yes. of how it shows up. You know how these things show up, or this this connection of our identity shows up mm-hmm. in you know in our everyday living, and how you know we can't get beyond a certain place. We can't we can't seem to get it together with regard to um, 
even, like I said before, acknowledging that the way the oppressor sees things and the way that we see things are going to, it's going to always inherently be opposite of each other, but we, we tend to keep swaying back, you know, because of, because of this oppression um, to what it is that the, the oppressor's narrative is, you know, how we should be looking at each other. Like I said earlier, you know, we, we call horizontal violence, which could be taken across the board in, in any, you know, in, in any, within any demographic, but we call it black-on-black crime for ourselves. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing to have your oppressor say it, but then when you say it and internalize it, it's something that you constantly, you know, you're you're building on your own uh, your own mental illness. You're building on your own um, on your own demise because you see yourself as your oppressor sees you, as opposed to you know understanding that all of this stuff has a root. It has a root, and it's a root that we have to pull up. But it's a root that we, you know, it's a plant that we didn't put there. You know, we didn't initiate. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just, I just wanted to, you know, like I say, I just wanted to bring it back to that because, again, I believe that everything that we're discussing, you know, all the all the side conversations are still showing up, you know, in today. You, you have to look at the fact that our children are, right now, our children are seeing that we can't protect them. You know what I'm saying? That we mm. cannot, we are powerless to protect them because of how, you know, because of the blocks that we have, the blockage, the mental blockage that we have that keeps us from stepping up and protecting them. You know, whether it's the conditioning or, you know, just, just a general, I really don't believe that there's a general fear. I believe that you're conditioned to your fears, but um, I, I see, you know, people who are perfectly, you know, who would otherwise be perfectly okay feeling depressed and not having answers, and they can't look to their parents who are supposed to um, be able to answer these things for them, supposed to be able to give them some kind of guidance and direction. I often say this, you know, if, if my son is stopped by a police officer, I don't have an answer for him as to how to get home. I don't. And that's just, that's real. That's, you know, and that's a point of powerlessness um, and something that we have to get a hold of. But I think it's, you know, it's something that we have to really sit down and pour our effort into to figure out what our interest is in that. You know, like, okay, so how do you make sure that this is what happens? How do you, you know, how do you sit in a room with people and and come up with a solution that is based in what your problem is? You know, you, you have to have a solution for your specific problem. And my specific problem is that I cannot get my son an answer. I can't give him an answer that will get him home safely from a traffic stop. And therefore, he sees me as helpless and don't understand 
the value in his own life and could take his own life because shit, what is it worth? And how do I get through this thing? You know, so. Um, Can I speak it's very, a little bit on that? It's very, huh? Yeah. Go ahead. I think that one thing is like France Fanon talked about colonial violence and he talked about the, you know, when you're colonized, it's necessary for the colonizers to inflict colonial violence in many ways, right? Whether it's educational, health, psychological, and physical violence. It's necessary in order to keep a massive amount of people subjugated under your rule and your domination. And so we have to understand that. We are, as the brothers have said, we are colonized. And so as long as we remain under that subjugation, we don't need to keep asking why are these things happening to us. It is going to happen. And and, and what's happening is that we, we have to, then make a clear distinction between symptoms and 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 the cause of symptoms, you know. And so what we often tend to do is build movements and organizations and nonprofits around treating symptoms. But what we don't do is attack and overturn the main contradiction, which is the virus. And the, and the virus in this case is the colonialism, and all of these other things are manifestations, symptoms, colonialism. It's the colonial violence that comes with it. We're not going to get rid of the colonial violence, the symptoms, as long as we remain colonized. And that's one of the issues, not to fear it back off course, but it's connected. Like, how do we then... We are like unless we're willing to and, and we're able to organize and go all out, all out because they are determined to remain in a colonizer position, which means as long as they're breathing, then it's constant war. We can expect them to kill us, misfeed us, educate us, etc. So right. we will never have that inner peace. You will never have an answer for your child other than get in the damn struggle to help overturn this shit. You ain't going to get no easy way out of this shit because as long as you colonize, you're going to get colonial violence. So, uh, you know. I unite with that uh, assessment. I absolutely do. I unite with that. Yeah, I, I totally. And, and but, you know, my answer then, I love that reference, France, but one of my favorites, man, genius, just ingenious. Um is, you know, like you said, you, there's no way around colonial violence. That's how they're going to enforce and to uphold their power, their authority. But what happened is I think, man, like today I had to strike. I have a pit bull, and I never strike my pit bull, you know. And I'm buddies with my dog, and he did something he knows better. And I picked up a stick to strike him, and, man, he, I didn't let him know it. He scared me. He growled. He this and that. And I realized what had happened, his sense of entitlement. See, what this European has done is one of the things I think his biggest mistake is he's allowed generations to feel entitlement, and they're not going to go back less than They have been living what they call, these young people call their best life. I'm living my best life. And I think 
the, the violence, the colonial violence, the threat of materialism being taken away, the threat of their so-called privilege. See, they've been the illusion of inclusion. Now it's like they've been sold a dream so long, and the white man is trying to wake them up from it. Like, man, no, we ain't going, I ain't my ancestors. I ain't this, I ain't damn right. So we're willing. It's have we, as the intelligentsia and the vanguard, began to create programs and institutions to take this fabric and this dynamic and this perception of the world and themselves in the world to introduce revolution and to translate revolution. I think I go back to, like I said last time, I think a lot of times we take realistic situations and we become, and my mouth is close to my ears, we, we become so astute and so studious in our studies, we try our best to make these situations fit what we've studied and we don't take these studies as building blocks for us to think outside of a block. You dig what I'm saying? Just building blocks to construct steps for us to think, you know, because this is a whole other phenomenon taking place here. So I say all that to say I think what's going to happen, the address, the answer to colonial violence is what we're seeing now, but we're also what we're seeing in the failure of the intelligentsia to really have translated what's happening to the masses so that the revolution not only or revolutionaries on the masses would not only want to become organized, see the benefit of becoming organized, but will become focused. See, every other little intelligentsia has taken advantage of the revolutionary fever and this, this, you know, this clamor for the end of injustice and oppression and jumped on it. I have people fighting for it. And I'm not mad at anybody's fight for sexual equality. Uh, I've heard Black Lives Matter, uh, All Lives Matter, uh, the Smurfs, I think, jumped on the protest. Everybody but black <laughs> people collectively, you know what I'm saying? Everybody but us collectively coming together saying, hey, I don't care your sexual orientation, your religion, whatever, as black people, this is what we want. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll never do that. What are you saying? Well, this is what I'm saying. Black people, if you're asking Yanga, and I think it's something we all can get behind at this point. If you're saying state, and we know this is not going to happen, but this is the man you give the state. We're saying this, that the deterrent for killing black people is not high enough. If you kill a police officer, it's death. Automatic. Everybody knows if you kill the damn dog, it's death. We're saying right. that we want the same thing. If somebody, because we know the sentiment of America, we know you don't like us. We know laws are not going to change your sentiment. But it will act as a deterrent. If you kill somebody black, you're going to fry. And we know you're not going to do that. So in the meantime, in between time, I tell my people, self-determination is the answer. Prepare to inoculate yourself <laughs> from the reprisal and the fallout of white America. Okay. What do you got to think? Right. Real talk. I mean, it's definitely like we we are the only people that are forced into these extreme corners of resistance instead of having the ability to flow. You know, like it's, well, am I going to go to Africa and fight or am I going to stay here and fight? Am I going to fight through the judicial system or am I going to fight on the street corner? A fight is a fight, period. You know, we should be prepared to fight that, in, whatever ven- in whatever venue – Whatever area we fit in, fight, fight how we right. fight. No, no other struggle has ever been forced to pick what kind of fight. You know, your oppressor oppresses you on all levels, so fight on all levels. If you're more effective in Africa, go your ass to Africa and fight. If you're more effective in the United States, go here. If you have Caribbean ties, you can help organize. Go there. You know, if you're good on whatever level, just the ultimate. Understanding should be that we have to fight 
You know what I mean? Right. And if we can get to that collective understanding that you have to fight, going back to <clears throat> why we're not there is the mental disorder. We're not there because mentally we have been trained to feel somewhat bad about fighting. So we always well, try to find that. an easier way to fight. You know what I mean? We've been trained to feel bad about fighting your enemy, even pointing them out. Unless, unless you're fighting for the colonizers on me, though. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. If you fight for the colonizers, yeah, if you fight for the colonizers, yeah, if you fight there, you're good. You know, and I was saying on the live today how even our freedom struggle is now looking a lot like the colonizers' army. I mean, we we, we, we wear the same thing he wears. We we think his prototype for army is our prototype for army. I mean, we really got to pull ourselves away from this oppressor. And see, that, and that's kind of the point I was making is that, like, once you join the military, the U.S. military, it gives you a sense of that national, like, purpose, right? Like, it informs you. You think you're fighting for democracy and freedom, and we're fighting against the terrorists, et cetera. Um, there's a, na- a nation that it's attached to, right? So with, with whatever branch you're in, the, the concept is that you're fighting for the same thing. So uh, to your point, absolutely. And I don't want y'all to think I'm we, I'm posing y'all. I'm agreeing. We just you know oh, adding on these elements. So the point is right. that I agree Indeed. that we Indeed. we're different. We're different fronts of the same, but it needs to be the same struggle. So like like I can't just be making up my own purpose for my fight. It like if if the Navy is attacking somewhere. And they in Afghanistan, and if, if they send them down to special forces to Venezuela, if they send them some to Africa, all them mofos is fighting for white imperialism, white nationalism, right. for capitalism, right. imper- in different fronts, right, with slightly different languages and techniques, but it's tied back to a single trajectory. And that's the only, and so then it, 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 the outcome is the power and the control and the wealth and et cetera, et cetera. And so that's right. all I'm saying is that whether we're, you're right, whether we're here, the Caribbean, in the U.K., et cetera, but it needs to be some kind of, some kind of unified, you know, a trajectory so that we then say we're the American front of this African revolution. We're the U.K. Mm-hmm. um Brigade right, right. of this African, and then it all then consolidates in power that we have as a state. You know what I mean? But if we're just, if it's not somehow tied in, it'll never. We'll be fighting, but we'll be isolated and easily isolated, and then it'll never accumulate into a power base like a state power. It'll just be a bunch of individual, like brave efforts that are quickly surrounded, isolated. And wiped out, and then there's another story that we got to tell about some brave Africans who fought until they was all killed or thrown in prison or whatever. Right. You know what right. I mean? So we I, I think one of the things that we, we 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 overlooked, though, you know, there was a, a bald-headed man in the '90s named Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad that told us yeah, yeah, very yeah. simply, no matter where you are, that crack is your enemy. Period. Right. You unite around that. You know what I mean? Wherever you are on this earth, where that cracker is, is diametrically opposed to your living, your survival. You know what I mean? And just gravitate to that, you know, and, and, and understand that. And, and like Yenga said earlier, 
on that note, man, we have all the resources. We have a flag. It's red, black, and green. That's ours. We don't need to create nothing else. Take that. Take that and run with it. You know what I mean? Because if you go to the U.K. with red, black, and green, they're going to know what you're talking about. You go in anywhere you go with that red, black, and green, they're going to get an understanding of what you stand for. And then that's That's enough to pull us together. That's enough to just hold us together. And then, you know, we can get that fight. And then once you got a common thing, I think everybody university that I've talked to from the U.K. and other places, we all agree we come from Africa. You know what I mean? So it's there. I think, you know, we, of course, we're having this conversation, so we're digging deep. But I think on a on a simplistic plane, most of our people understand that in some way we're connected to Africa, you know, and, and then in some way we have our individual battles, you know, and, and, and that goes all back into what the sister brought up in the original with the, the, uh, the mental trauma that's keeping us away from understanding that we have more in common than we have opposed to each other. That's all I want to say on that. I want to dominate. Mercedes, okay, did you want to say something? We haven't heard from you in a minute. And then after you, I'd definitely love to uh, say something because I'm going to take the brother brought up some great points. Yeah, I, you know, there, there, there was something that Shaka had said, um, and he was talking about the need to fight and how we've gotten to a point where we've kind of become, I don't know, ashamed to fight. It's like it's, you know, when I, and it's become like something that's, that's negative. And I think the definition of fighting is also a part of that too. You know what I'm saying? Like as opposed to just calling it fighting because people are afraid of that, perhaps we need to, you know, we need to, Definitely get a hold of that narrative and call it what it is we're resisting. You know what I'm saying? And resisting in whatever manner that looks like. And I mean, if that's, you know, if that's militarily, if that is using your resources, if that is using the knowledge that you've gained, if that is, you know, the same thing that I was talking about with regard to building um, that institution called the Black Ankh, that's fighting. You know, that's fighting on a medical front because we all understand that this is, you know, this is something that they got us. Once you get behind that wall, it's whatever they say, you know, just like if you're in prison, (laughs) it's whatever they say. Once you get behind that wall, if if you're not organized to think about your resistance or your fighting in terms of, you know, everything you do has to be an act of resistance. Um. And I think looking at it like a, you know, like a, like a diamond, um, all of the facets of that diamond make it brilliant. You know, all of it, all of it together, the whole makes it something that's just, you know, this of, of higher, the highest tier of beauty. And if we look at that in the same sense with our struggles, you know, um, really getting involved wherever we can, wherever we are, calling it just that. You know, it is it is resistance. And, you know, again, it's fighting, but because we've we've been colonized and I'm you look, make up a word, use my poetic license. Right. Um, yeah. Because we've been religified to the point <laughs> 
<laughs> that we've been taught that it is important for us to, you know, turn the other cheek and we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to rise up and be a different type of people that can just accept what the hell is being dished out to us as opposed to fighting against it. We have to, you know, we have to also embrace um, speaking to it differently so that folks understand. Now, you got a place because you, you know, you you built Whatever it is, and I, I'll keep going back to this whole idea, you know, you you built this medical establishment. You were the you were the experiments upon which this medical establishment is is actually founded. You are and and you also participated in different fronts of establishing this medical establishment. So why can't you build for yourself? Why, why shouldn't you build for yourself? And that in itself is a part of resistance. And you have to be able to build for yourself with, you know, with the perspectives of what's ailing us, what's eating us. You know, we got to get to what's eating us and not what's eating our, you know, our oppressors who we've, who we've become bound to. And we feel like, you know, we're addressing a greater issue. No, we gotta. We have to address our own stuff. We have to be able to, you know, be able to attack that and be able to say and be able to win people to it. You know, it's not just a matter of, you know, a few people saying no, that's right. this is what it is, but actually being able to win people to that that particular area of struggle mm-hmm. and organization. Because I've heard that a few times, and you know, in this conversation, and I think. You know, we we would all be remiss if we don't really focus on what it is to be organized. You know, in all of it, in any of it, you have to be organized in in your in your pursuit um, of fighting back, as well as your pursuit of your vision for where you want to go. You have to be organized because some one one thing has to take you to the next thing to the next thing, to the next thing so that you can get it all accomplished. It can move around that around that clock wheel. You know, it, it can everything can mm-hmm. move. Right, right. But, yeah. Can I add um a little something? I just wanted to say I, I yeah, wanted to add ahead. this to Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Who who's up? No, it's you. It's all you, brother. No, oh, okay. I just wanted to say um, to Sister Makeda, and, and then Shaka wanted to get you in on this too, because I've heard you speak on this in the past. Um, like, I totally unite with what the sister just said, and I know that even in the revolutionary circles, um, we understand that one of the greatest things we can do to, like, not, like, like even me saying that, right? Like, some of the things that we suffer are just symptoms of of a virus, so if we get rid of the virus, the symptoms go away. However, it's nothing wrong like when I got, you know, if my throat is dry, even though that's a symptom, the water does help. You know what I'm saying? If my nose is running, that's a symptom of the virus, but the clinic does serve a purpose. It's not the answer, but it serves its purpose. So my point is that um, it's because I want to make sure we, you know, contributing to, to the, the topic the sister's putting forth is like, I think that even as we know we have to fight to overturn the fundamental contradiction, we do have to understand that currently our reality is that we're colonized. 
So even as we're fighting, we have to turn inward and pay attention and begin to offer some type of attention and healing to this trauma. You know what I mean? Not just solely like the only way we're going to be able to address this is just totally overturn colonial war. In the meantime, our family is hurting and dysfunctional and they're dying and they're killing themselves and all of this. How do we address that? At the same time that we're fighting to get this overall contradiction <laughs> off of us, right. how do we do? A, you know what I mean. There has to be some yeah, effort yeah, in the program. Yeah. Like when you like, if you're recruiting somebody into your organization, and the first thing you're doing is assigning them roles and responsibilities, you ain't to say, "Who are you, brother? I know you're hurting." Right. Mm-hmm. You colonize like mm-hmm. I am. Let's deal right. with that shit. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Right, right, right. right. I, I think too many. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Shaka. I no, think too many white brothers. Said, first, first thing I, I like what the brother said, man, is uh, too many organizations do that. I think that we go in with a colonizer mindset. We go into, you know, I hear these organizations, we can't save everybody. We can't, you know, that implies you yourself can <laughs> save, right? You've already separated right. yourself from the mass. When you go in with the colonizer, when you go in with the Red Cross mentality, like, I go in, you know, I'm, I'm a cub, so I learn differently. When I do programs and not, not a project, not a feed-the-people project, I mean a program, when I do programs, mm-hmm. I sit with the people in need. I'm going to get some of good grits and good eggs. Scoot over, man. Let mm-hmm. me sit with you. So it's not a separation. We feed the people. I am the people. The people are we. I don't go in and I don't encourage my members to go in like you feeding the homeless or you feed. Get out of that charity type. But these are your people, bro. You, 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 this right. is the responsibility obligation. That's that's one what I teach you people. Uh, secondly, I wanted to address like you were saying. What one of some of the solutions I like. This is my whole thing of where Afrocentrism does come into me. I think the solution goes in to knowing where you come from, even if you don't know who you are, knowing where you come from. Brief example, mm-hmm. man. I you know like most black families. The children really are predominantly raised by the mother's side. I, you know, nobody will, may not want to admit it online, but everybody knows this, the black mm-hmm. community is the predominantly matriarchal. I, you can deny it, but look at your families. So that being the case, I've always heard I was crazy. You crazy, crazy. So one day my father decides to give my brother, you know, we have different homies, different mothers, my brother and my sisters, and we're going to take a family trip to Florida where he's from. I, when I got to Florida, I realized I must be the sanest person on the planet. His family is crazy. <laughs> so knowing your origin, you know what I'm saying, it made me. Now, when I was with my mom, man, I felt out of place. But there, I'm the guru. They love some June Bug right, Jr. Right. Hey, Bug, come here, man. Tell him because you smart. You know, so I'm the man. You know, so, you know. It's it's knowing your place of origin. I think too that's one. And like you were saying, brother, knowing you colonize, therefore knowing the best standards that you're judging yourself just may be wrong. So what I say, I, I advise people judge yourself by is it beneficial? Is it edifying? Is it beneficial to your life? Does it really serve? Is it helping you mentally, spiritually, and socially? Is it helping you and your people? Just a basic judgment, and and be real about it. If you know you're smoking the cigarettes. And you know what they cause. You know, the white man surgeon general said they poison. And then you're contributing to the economy. You may want to address that cutback, begin to quit. Or if you went to capitalism, start looking at investing by your cigarette. I'm just joking. 
But but because that's our thing on show, we need to have black capitalism. You know, just because you're black, that's a whole other subject. But anyway, and then lastly, I want to say, you know, run down on time. When he talked, I love what the brother said. He said, you know, we come collective. We can't be fighters here and there fighting. What are we collectively fighting for? Like I said before, we have a flag. I think every black person will agree that our fight is for freedom. Free. Simply that. They say, oh, brother, what is freedom? You've never been free. So what is freedom? You don't know what freedom looks like. I tell them I know, I damn sure know what freedom ain't. What I'm doing is right, right, right. freedom. So we start removing, if we start removing some of this shit, what's at the end of it may be freedom. Because that ain't freedom, that ain't freedom. So that's like what you were saying, brother, how you address the symptoms. Once you just make a play, that's why I tell my people I'm fighting for, man, freedom. Oh, man, you don't know what freedom. And then I say, and if you need freedom is, in my party, what I tell to membership, you're fighting for freedom. Point number one, we want freedom. Chairman Yango, what is freedom? Freedom is the natural right for every human being to evolve to their fullest human potential without outside influences, obstructions, and obstacles. The responsibility of the state is to ensure that I can reach my fullest human potential to contribute to said state. That is freedom, and we have intentional hindrances stopping that. So that's why our first fight begins. And as we get in that fight, like you were saying here, brother, we begin to see the contradictions in the problem, and we'll still begin to get to specifics where we need to target the attacks. But right now, we need to know we're at war, and the rally cry is, you're all wrong! Freedom! Right, that's right. It. Right. Mm-hmm. We got you know, I mean, what you're saying is so true, man. It's, it's very true. And like, when it comes to that that healing the self, it has to be. We have to have a simultaneous battle. You know, we have to have those programs that address what we're going through on a on a on a on a day to day basis. And that takes a lot of these so called leaders and so called spokespeople. It starts with the example of them. You know, like often when I talk. I'll interject, like today when I did a live, I talked about self-esteem. I talked about how there were periods where I would go out amongst the masses really to get a recharge because they just see Shaka Shakur. They don't see the Shaka that has the issues and all that. So when I felt the way, I would, that's escapism. But that's, a, that's, a, that's an issue. We have to talk about it. I think the more freely we talk about it, those of us that are out in the front, then it makes it easy for others to talk about you know, and address those things. But we have to, if you come into the organization, it's like, yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to help the people, but check it out. We all got issues we deal with, too. So let's talk about those things at the same time so that we're right. not separate from the people. Right. You know? mm. Leading by example. Shoot. And I, I think that we'll be a lot better off with that, you know. Do, do we got any callers? I know the lines got to Yeah, you know what? I had one caller drop off a little early. I hope they came back on. I was going to say the same thing. Hey, man, you're listening to Let's Talk About It. Makeda, my man Shaka Yanga, dynamic brother. We're still in this conversation, and it's about mental illness. But in all of these things we're talking about, you can understand why they would contribute to a people being mentally ill. There is no way. Like, we've had almost an hour and a half on discussing who we are. And that's just – and we've just – having just barely – so, you, yeah, let's discuss mental illness. <laughs> you know, let's discuss why we're crazy as hell, you know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, 
I mean, yo, because it's crazy. And then when you hold in the standard of what we have placed in front of us as what they're calling normalcy, what they're calling sanity, it's insane right. what they're calling sanity. And it's what I don't think is fair is because it changes every Every time, every generation or whatever. Some of the things I did now, I see why my grandmother said, boy, you must be absolute crazy. Because I see the young people <laughs> in you, I would think it's crazy. I really right. think they have lost their minds. But is it what set of standards and morals and code of conduct or just whatever, how they see themselves, what are they judging by? And I think when we talk about mental illness, and especially from a revolutionary perspective, as crazy as it may, may sound, I think it really is our responsibility to the dialogue, the text or script or whatever to address not just the mental illness, but why the mental illness and the need for revolution and how it's addressed and how it will affect our, our situation here specifically. Like I say, in, in, in closing that out, is because as a revolutionary, as an internationalist, I've, you know, made it my thing and was forced <laughs> to study internationalism, the British revolutions. And and what I always find is, like I said, you know, I long for, and this is why I gobble up Huey, but even in later, Huey's later years, there was a lot of regurgitation of, you know, a lot of Leninism, Marxism, and things of that nature. And what I long for is to see that dynamic new African come up and be that. And I think we have that even in, in our wonderful chairman, uh, yes, to tell me, but I mean, from this new generation breed coming up, that dynamic new African that is really to take these concepts and to push the boundaries and to challenge some shit as it relates to our struggle here and nationally. All right. Definitely. definitely yeah. I, you know, one of the things, too, like I was talking to you, Yanga, earlier, and I posted a picture on Facebook of four black boys, four young black boys, ranging from ages that looks mm-hmm. like. 10 or 12 down to maybe three or five. But their shirt said, please don't kill us. Each child had a different mm. word on his shirt. And it, it, it bothered me when I saw the post because I was like, wow. The first thing I got is, you know, our babies who should be playing right now, who should be fantasizing about being the next superhero or the next Black Panther or whatever, mm. are concerned with the safety of their life. I mean, when I was 12, I wasn't thinking about who going to kill me. When I was four, five, six, seven, I didn't think about who's going to kill me. But now they are thinking that, and their parents have been put in the position to feel hopeless to the point that, yeah, we have to put these on our shirts now so that you don't kill us. And, and what really bothered me, and going to the mental trauma half of it is, how many black people who claim to be conscious or woken looked at that and criticized the parents as being weak, you're weak for putting your children out there. You're weak for thinking like that. But they did not say how these people, these are the ones who look to us to take to, to stand up, to defend them. You know, and it goes back to what Sister Makita said about our children knowing that they're out there on their own. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? I, um, our, our president, our international president of uh, NPM was relating at one point how she was having a discussion with uh, one of the youth in the neighborhood where where she lives, and um, you know, the guy was telling her, "I'm not, I'm not afraid of dying. You know, I'm not afraid to die." And this was this was his 
explanation of why he was doing everything counter to what's gonna you know, what's gonna be healing and what what would actually carry him. Um he was like, It's the living I'm afraid of. Because I see so much stuff going on, you know, and I never know when it's gonna be taken from me. I never know what's gonna happen. Like I'm not afraid of dying. And right. so many of our, our kids are in that position where, you know, in somewhere in their head, dying is easier. The concept of, of grasping, you know, dying is easier than what they can see for living because, you know, there is a certain amount of um, uncertainty that's associated with living, and they don't have answers, mm-hmm. and we or struggling to be able to even give them that. And, and, you know, I know you all are fathers, um, Yenga and uh, Shaka. You all are fathers. um, But I feel a very deep sense of urgency to address that because I know there's something, like even in my own son, I I always worry that there is something that is eating at him, and he doesn't seek it, you know. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't like, just like these other kids are not speaking, you know, their their concerns. They're not voicing their concerns. Although my son sees me in a position of, you know, struggling to make it right, and I've, I've taught him certain things, and, I, you know, I but I don't really get to see that he's taking it in like that. I don't get to see that. So I don't know what, you know, I don't know where his struggle is. Even when I ask him certain things, I don't understand where his struggle is inside of him and, and how he sees and how he's taking this all of this in. You know, I'm concerned that he could be depressed. I'm concerned that, you know, but I tell him also, like like uh, the brother Maito said, you got to get in this fight. You got to get in this struggle. Right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, it's the right. only thing that's going to make you feel empowered enough to, you know, and, and even if you sick, even if you sick, you now have, like, mentally sick. And I don't, I don't, I can't say that any of us aren't. You see what I'm saying? To some yeah, degree. Yeah, yeah, right, right. We all I are. can't say that not one of us, myself included, is not sick in some, you know, in some form or some kind of, you know, having some type of yeah. uh, residual reaction to trauma that that's on us. Um, I mean, you can't you can't but, swim in water and not get wet. What, you hear me? And and look and and what my you know, friends say and fish don't see water. You don't see it. Yeah, you in it. <laughs> but uh, I like to. But the thing. Hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sis. Uh-uh, go ahead. You got it. No, no, I, you, you was know, wrapped up, uh, Makita. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't say enough how, you know, it's, it's so important that we address, you know, we address these things from a standpoint that we get ahead of what, you know, what's eating our youth so that they can take over. 
you know, um, we provide solutions so that they know that they have somewhere to go. And I know, you know, some some people might consider um, self-care to be, uh, uh, you know, a petty, petty boo kind of um, um, issue because you're thinking right, right. about self, but I don't, I, I really don't understand and I'm I'm being very honest that I don't understand how that is when in fact I'm really no good to other people when I'm no good to myself. I, I'm right. I'm only you know I can only go so far for you when I can't get there for me, and I can't get up out the right. bed or I can't you know there have been times when I kind of laid there and cried because I you know because I have a I have children because I have a grandson. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, um, it's, right. it's too hard. And I know that, again, that's a trauma that is not being addressed. You know, I battle through I, it. I think those are the stories, though. Those are the stories. Like, they need to hear that we are human, too. Even though we're on these radio shows and we're writing these great passages and we're doing all this other stuff, we're parents. We're suffering from the same thing they're suffering from, the same fears and the same depravities, and we're suffering from the same thing. And I, I think that's why I get most offended when people call those parents coward. I'm like, what? I got children. My boys are 14 and 12. I just started saying, hey, y'all can go outside and take a walk to the mall. They got used to doing that. I had to call back. Wait a minute. You can't go outside no more. Forget it. I know I said that, but we can't do that no more. New plan. New plan. You got to do it this way. You know what I mean? Like, that's that. That's no way to live. No, exactly. it's not. And it's, it it is constantly it's imprinting trauma. It's constant. Right. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, it's like history. You know what I'm saying? It's living, it's moving, it's always, it's, it's a constant terror. So, you know, we've got to figure that out. we got to figure out how to, and again, like I said earlier, you know, it's not enough for us to just, take on these issues from, you know, in black face, you know, from a a white perspective. Like, we really have to look at the shit that's eating us and how we address the things that's eating us in such a way that we can can find some sort or define, first of all, define some sort of normalcy for us Mm -hmm. and then, you know, carry out that plan of action to be able to, to maintain it. You know, and live in it, and and be able to function. Because again, with you know, with with what did you call it earlier? Uh, functional insanity or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Functional we're, insanity. you know, functional insanity, right? <laughs> we're, but this is you this coming, is where we're you're insane so long. It's normal. <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's normal. We're we're insane so long that it seems normal now. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like I, I, I compare that to if you like I've been I've been incarcerated, so people that have been incarcerated can relate to this. The world of the incarcerated is a whole different world than the world of out here. So when I went in, rules and regulations to me seem like this is savage. What the hell are you talking about? I got to do this, and why I got to do that, and why I got to do this? But lo and behold, after about a year, I was just as indoctrinated as everybody else. This is just what you do. You just do this. You just do that. Mm-hmm. But after three or four years, that became the normal. 
Now, you know, like, yeah, this is what we do here. You know, that don't apply out there, but they imply in here. And it's the same thing Man. when I came into this world. Yeah, you know, you we fighting over phones. There's yeah. phone time. Yeah. You can't be on the phone yeah. for a certain amount of time, or you or you violated, and now you got to go to war. That sounds insane. Why am I fighting over mm-hmm. the phone? That's the, eventually you're going to conform to that because the system is set up to where if you don't conform, you risk your life now. You know, mm-hmm. like I always laugh. I say Absolutely. people come to prison with, with no manners. You come to prison with no discipline. You come to prison with no understanding. But you leave the most understanding, disciplined, and mannerful person in the world. Because you have to, you know what I mean? You don't debate. You you learn how to agree with people and work it out. You know, you get up from a table, yep. you say, "I'm leaving. Excuse me. Pardon me. My yep. bad. Didn't mean this. Don't mean yep. to talk with my back to you, homie." You know, because and when you yep. got in, he was like, "What the hell is that?" You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with this mm-hmm. colonialism out here. We we start to adjust to it to the point now where we start believing this shit is normal. Like this is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and we that's the first thing we got to fight. And I want to jump in there and throw in, too, when we go back talking about your son and even absolutely adding on what Shaka said, one of the solutions, you know, I think I'd like to see is an absolution of a, a complete dissolving of this so-called conscious community. What the hell is that? You know, I think we, we run the risk of and have even crossed the line into elitism and, you know, uh, being very selective. You know what I'm saying? We have separated these so-called conscious communities, separated yourself. When That's what I liked when that so-called RBG movement came out, that revolutionary but gangster thing. I like the concept because I believe resistance is just that. I think it should be so ingrained in us that it finds us wherever we work. I'm an old-school gangbanger. Right. And our whole game was defined in revolutionary terms. We were the community rather than independent people. You know what I'm saying? So even in, I mean, you can go back to the black exploitation field. And it's still, you would find the culture of resistance, even that. It still was about sticking it to the man, getting over on the man, all the whitey, the pig. So even in that, we had that resistance culture. And I think that this is what we have to stop. We made this so-called conscious thing a religious movement. Somebody mm-hmm, eat mm-hmm. a pork chop, they ain't conscious. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you eat a- Somebody <laughs> drink a Budweiser, they ain't conscious. You know, right, so right. we shouldn't be to that degree. Eventually, you know, when you wake up to your blackness and the resistance movement, you begin to learn about that poison animal. You begin to learn why alcohol you know, it's probably in there how it affects the indigenous people, why it affects some of us new Africans like it does because you don't want to recognize some of your genetic makeup and you niggas can't get drunk. Leave it alone. Fire water. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> we, we, I, I, I think that I said all that to say that once just resisting colonialism, then imperialism, and then economic imperialism, this capitalism, It'll grow in us. Those things will grow in us when we just practice resistance, and it doesn't have to be this religious movement. You resist because what they're teaching you is unnatural to self, black man, black woman. They're teaching you is unstop for a hot second. We get the masses just to pause for a minute and say, pause for a second, and just think about what you're doing. It's just not good for you even as a person, dude. You know, you're going to kill him for what, homie? You're going to kill her for what? I mean, just, you know, and 
And that's what it is to me. And not that, oh, I don't want to get on that black shit because somebody made it all so superheroish. You got to, you know, they say getting on, they would, would, would equate that with them. Oh, here you come speaking that Muslim shit. I ain't said nothing about Allah. I'm talking about black. All this all the same. Y'all don't do this. Y'all don't do that. Y'all. See, when it got to that point, we have fumbled the ball. When they equated to religion and I don't want to be a part of it because I can't be me, we have fumbled the ball. We introduced it to them in the right. state they're in, and as they walk that walk, they will begin to evolve into the revolutionary type. Exactly. You, you know, and it, it, it's like one, one of the things, too, when you talk about that, like I said in the live earlier today, we talked about escapism. I think that the reason there is a conscious community is because it's a safe place to escape. You can go over, to, you you know, you can, wow. a lot of people come wow. into this movement to escape the pain, to escape the the low self-esteem, to create, you know, when you don't, like we talked about earlier, if you don't have an identity, that's a, that's a, that's a void. And that void can create depression. It can create loneliness, isolation, all of the things that come and equal mental trauma. So a lot of people join the movement not for liberation per se, but for escape, for purpose, for a sense of being and collective love. So maybe the way to dissolve that is as a community to just start show love in general, just to start to accept each other in general. And there won't be a need for a movement of acceptance or a movement where I can spit out the most facts and not everybody knows me. You know what I mean? Or I can put on the most dashiki or whatever. I eat the most vegetables. I don't eat vegetables, whatever. So now you start to create these categories where you can reign supreme and feel wanted and loved. Because at the end of it, I think the basic core of it is, is the acceptance and the want and the need to be accepted. We are human beings. And one thing about the mammal, the mammal must be respected and accepted. That is one thing that makes all mammals the same. We have a respect mm. status level, and we need to be accepted because we're a pack animal. We're not a singular entity. We, are, we move as packs, so we have to fit into a pack. A stray wolf will go off and die because it's a stray. It, it, it can't survive without the pack. Biologically, chemically, genetically cannot survive without the pack. You see what I'm saying? And we're the same way. So if we don't fit into one pack, we'll create another pack. So maybe we need to start looking at just accepting us because we are who we are. Mm. Right. Right. What the world needs now is love. <laughs> really? <laughs> really, right? Shock is that deep one. Hey, I'm wiping my eyes, man. Shock was like, yo, hey, man, love black people. Did y'all hear my brother do y'all? Just love each other. Y'all love each other, Love man. each other, man. It's that you know, simple. Bill, back I in the day, like though, seriously, when, I love that. At the end we of the young, day, that's a. We were young. We were just black because we black, man. When I was a young kid, hey, you know, we were all about the same age. I can remember people just loved you just because. Like, we was just, yo, we black, bro. We, we wasn't all that deep. Yeah. It was like, yo, we black. <laughs> and we just, yeah. we like each other because we black. We just, you know, that common yeah. black is beautiful. That was it. Bang. It didn't, you know, it wasn't that serious. And I think we should get back to that, man. I think this enemy has really, yeah. you know, effed us up with all these divisions and subtitles and qualifications and quantifications. Man, yeah. I just love you. Just I'm like, like Khalid said, God damn it. yeah, I did vote for him because he's black. I did. He's black. I voted for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like yeah. you just because you're black. Yeah. You know? Hell yeah. That's it. Hey, black. And story, I think, I'm out the door. You know, shocking. I think when we embrace that, brother, man, when we embrace that, that love, that thing of freedom, we love each other because... 
then they won't become subsections. They'll become fronts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When right. we all embrace this black right. love, my vegetarian, my health people, it won't be, oh, we're healthy. It'll be the health front. It won't be, oh, we're right. the, you know, uh, we do this and do that, so you're not. No, you'll be that front. So when people come into this understanding of self, they'll know where to find their front to fight on. But it'll all be for the collective because we all love each other. Man, listen, you hit us with a bar anything for real, just all love each other, but it is so real. It all really starts in, man, loving yourself. You know what I'm saying? Love the skin you in, breathe in, embrace it, love yourself. And when you love yourself, like, man, you know what, I love, I'm good. Then you'll begin to dislike those things that dislike you. You're going to love, when you love yourself, you're going to love those things that love you. When you truly love yourself. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to dislike what dislikes you. And once you think like that, you move like that. Biggest right. problem is, is like what the brother was saying earlier. It's just this bombardment of the African self. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that makes us want to separate from that, and then the bombardment of the new African self makes us want to separate from this reality. Like you know, I'm not happy. It's so much so now that you got people denying the Maafa. You know, I've talked to people say, "Oh man, slave trade never even existed." I'm like, dang. Man, my, and I'm an ancestral person. I'm a boom boom person. So the ancestors right, just right. shook when that statement was made. But, you know, that's how far this mental illness has taken us, that we will begin to erase aspects of our existence. Well, that's it. Yo, I can't deal with it. I got amnesia from it. It didn't exist. I don't want a boats. I don't, it didn't happen. Yo, I got amnesia. And be dead serious about it. You know, that can't help but to affect future generations. Huh? Right, exactly. I said they will fight you behind that too. You, you try to tell them it's not. That's not they will they will go to war with you. You know. And that's that's just pain and trauma though. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's pain. It's trauma like the brother said earlier with the, the quest to find these 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 identities. Because, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to associate with that which has been deemed bad or painful. You know what I mean? We don't want to talk yeah. about that. We, you know, people say you into African spirituality, and I often laugh. I'd be like, you know, you into African spirituality, but then you, you still in the back of your mind think that voodoo is bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, right. in the back of your mind, that's still bad. But you right. know, like you said with the blood, right. and I laugh because I was the same way. I was young. I went to a ceremony. I was like, oh, I'm out of here, bro. You're crazy. That's a little too black That was too black for me I thought I was yeah, black yeah, I got that room That was hey, Y'all a little too black for me yeah. I'm out of here you know yeah. what I mean? that, that, yeah. that, that, that colonial mind was like Hey what you doing in this room They, they Man, too come on. You know what I mean <laughs> So I was like you know <laughs> We laugh but it's real man And I think that you know The solutions and the projects is You know one of the things that I'm doing, and this is definitely a plug, you know, I got some land down here in the South, and one of the projects I'm working on is creating a place of healing where we can really, I want to take people out into this area, this rural area, and we're going to camp on the land. You know, you're not going to live in a house. You're going to strip yourself from all of the things connected to the European for two to three days. And in that two to three days, we're going to have these talks and a series of workshops where we can get into each other and nature. Because going out on my land, Late at night, man, I think I'm a pretty tough dude. But when those sounds just start kicking, you realize how disconnected you are from nature. You know, I, really, I was like, I ain't as, 
I ain't the nature dude that I thought I was. You know what I mean? Like, whoa. <laughs> you know, you realize how far the European has stripped away. Right, right. I'm, I'm like, I'm Mr. I can do it. And I got out there and, you know, the trees start talking and the wind start blowing and, you know, start hearing things. Yeah, right, right. You're like animals and stuff I didn't even know existed. But, you know, that goes to show you how far we are separated from ourselves. And I think that putting those yes. back in there, and I really got the idea because when I was out with the Lakota people years ago, I went through a native a sweat. And one thing I really admired when you go into the sweat, you you know, you take off all your clothes down to this little loincloth, and that's it. You have a, a towel or cloth around you. And the purpose is you're going into the womb now. So you don't take this world with you into the womb. You go in the way you came out, just you and earth, you know. And I thought that was so deep because, like, for us to talk about really healing our mental, I believe we have to strip away. You know, you have to go out there on that, on that land. You ain't got no cell phones, not allowed. You don't have a reception anyway, but not allowed. You know, no, I don't want to watch. I don't want. I don't want none of that. You leaving all that at the cabin, and we're going out into the middle of this land, and we're going to pitch tents on the earth. You know, you bring your tent or whatever, and we're going to have two to three days of just us, to just talk to us and and get to know us again. And that's the things we need to do. That's something I'm working on, and, and within a year's time to be ready. But we need to definitely talk about these kind of solutions to reconnect us to our, our, our journey here, man. You know, it's nothing like standing out in the middle of a Georgia in, in, in the night and, in in, I mean, pitch black dark and stand out there in the woods on my property and I'm thinking about my ancestors who had to come through here either running for their freedom or just being marched through here late at night not knowing what to expect when they get to the other side. You know, that that's a humbling experience, man. And I think that we need to go there. We need to visit these sites, these sites, whether you believe in them or not, Plantations are real. You know, I've seen them. I've visited them. We need to go visit those places and stand where our ancestors stood to get an understanding of who we really are and know why it's important. We can tell people to join the fight and we can do all this, but until you touch history, until you understand, until you stood in front of that tree that somebody swung from, or until you stand on that row house of slave houses where our ancestors toiled, you won't really understand why it's so important to become a part. Like people who, who can afford to go to Africa, go to Ghana, and go to the door no return and walk through that door. I've, I've heard the conversations from people who visited the dungeons over there. Well, if you can't afford to get to Africa, there's plenty of places right here in America that I can take you to that you can have that same spiritual experience and understand why it's important for us. And I'm going to leave it at that. Right. Hey, brothers, well, we are at the last seven minutes of the show, and um, I wanted to speak because I want to make, you know, I want to make announcements um, about anything that might be coming up, anything that might be going on, like, you know, Brother Shaka just said about uh, what's going on or what his plans are for the land that he has down in Georgia. Where is that, Jones something, Georgia? Where did you say that was? That's that's out in uh, Monticello County, which is like south. Monticello, okay, okay. Yeah, Jasper I mean, well, County, I can't Monticello. Every time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if there's something that's going on, um, y'all have any announcements to make? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I make announcement. Just y'all check me out. I'll be back on here Sunday, eight o'clock. Doing it, you can check me out then. 
And that's about it. Check me out Sunday, 8 o'clock. Check out the, you know, if you just for losers, basic information, everything. But just if you're interested, check out People Who Like to Have a Party for Self-Determination. We have a page. You can check out on Facebook. And that's mainly it. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about in the New York area, the People's Survival Program is up and running again, and uh, they will be conducting programs within the next week. i got to get the exact date, so check my Facebook page at Shaka Jajaga Shakur. And also uh, check out the page my brother Bomani Maasa and uh, comrades are having a, I think it's called The Prophet of the Prophecy. Let me pull it up right now so I can get the exact title because I don't like to stumble over things. And this is taking place in October. And it's really a teleconference, and it's called The Prophecy of the Prophet, the Vanguard United Front. And uh, it's going to be with uh, the October Global Community on the horizon. And this is in October, I think, 17th or 18th. But check my page as well. There's going to be a host of people, including myself, contributing and talking about uh, the legacy of Nat Turner, as well as resistance and in, 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 in our struggle. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh. Um, I wanted to extend, I don't know if the brother Maito is still on the line. Are you still there, brother? Yeah, I'm still I'm still loving him. I'm here. Okay, so let's go. You got Peace Soul Radio. Let's let's get it in. You got an announcement? Yeah, yeah, what's up? Let us know. Let us know. Oh, well, I appreciate the love. I mean, it's just my you know, my contribution in terms of trying to be creative. You know, man, we gotta create an appetite like y'all talked about earlier this this oppression has become normalized to our people, man, and oftentimes we don't like, we don't want them vegetables. We don't want to hear this message. And so I try to uh, be creative in a way, man, to deliver right, right. these things, you know. And so I, I, I blend in some music and culture and, and then, of course, the, just some, some, some political education. So, yeah, Peace Soul Radio, man, Peace Soul, Peace Progressive Soul Radio, just to you know, I've been FM stations. I was in the music industry for about 15 years, touring around, and I kind of leveraged that into a radio career. I've been on several FM stations, and I was at one time um, I was a station manager for uh, Black Power 96 when they first started, and even before that, a Hulu radio. Um, so, yeah, man, I just uh, PeaceSoulRadio.com and. Um, Anybody can out there? Can we get it at the App Store? Say it again. Download sister? it at the App Store. Can we download yeah, it at the App Store? Yeah, if you, yeah. If you go to the website, I got the app, and you can get it for Apple or for Android, and you can download the RSS feed. I put out shows, and it's just a mixture of good music and information for our people throughout the diaspora, trying to uh, you know give us something critically to think about. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Already. Yeah, feel, feel free, feel free, brother, to utilize our pages. I know, like, no one should have to to put that information out there. You know, on Facebook, you, you know, you can hit Ukusu Seven on Instagram. Hit me up. Put your information out there. Let more people know about it. Absolutely, man. I want to do some interviews with y'all because I'm working on a project, as we mentioned before, um, specifically. On, on, you know, centered around gang culture, man. So I love to get some, get both of you brothers in on that piece, man, and get your perspective, your experience, and uh, 
so we can. It's a whole other angle, but we'll talk about that on on, on offline. But yeah, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. All right. Mm-hmm. So I also want to. I also want to get in. Um, thank you for that, uh, Michael. Um, I know you thank just you dropped for- a new. A new edition, a new uh, episode as well. I still haven't gotten to it, but I'm about to. Um, I also want to announce the 2020 MPW convention, and it's an online, you know, event, uh, September 11th through the 13th. So you all can find that at NPDUM, I-N-P-D-U-M, 2020.eventbrite.com. Um and get more information. Again, that's NPDUM, I-N-P-D-U-M, 2020.eventbrite.com. And um, also on Friday, September 11th, we will be having NPDUM Presents a Night of Revolutionary Culture, which is also an online event. Um, And let's see. What is that? Oh, you can find it online. You can actually find it online on Facebook. Um, okay. A Night of Revolution, NPW presents A Night of Revolutionary Culture. Uh, that's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern, and it'll be on Facebook Live. So please, you know, join those two events. Uh, register for the convention. I'll be there. I love to see, you know, the people that I interact with there. I thank you all for um, allowing me to host an uh, important topic on uh, mental health and, and what this looks like in our community um, and, and the causes, the causation, the solution, um, the possible solution, the things that we need to do for self-determination. Uh, I also appreciate, you know, J- 